And you are watching Influence Media, PSI-TV, the Netflix of biz brands. My guest today is Tina Patterson. She's an organizational cultural strategist who closes the gap on team efficiency, effectiveness, and work-life balance. Whether the team is remote or in office, global leaders with a progressive mindset find Tina's contribution to their work progress to be innovative, passionate, and transformative. Tina's work has won the praise of HR leaders with organizations such as Amazon, Microsoft, and General Electric, to name a few. Tina, thank you for being my guest today. It's a pleasure, Trudy. Fantastic. So guys, this is a treat. Now, Tina, you have worked with global brands. Is that your target market or do you have a program for entrepreneurs as well? I typically do work with the large global corporations because that's what my own background is. So I intimately understand their challenges as well as their opportunities. So it is really with the large global organizations that I feel I can have the biggest impact, even though my strategies are really practical and they still work for leaders of any type of team. Just let's define large, what's large? So we're all on the same page. Well, you mentioned some of my clients, so your Amazons, GEs, uh, et cetera. And so often the companies that I work with are those who have employees of over 5,000 people and they go up to a couple of hundred thousand employees. Okay, perfect. So that we're all on the same page, fantastic. So Tina, work has changed so much since COVID. Yes, well, so much has changed since COVID and my view very strongly is we are not going back to our pre-pandemic past where we were all in the office, often five days a week. And what I think has changed is that the companies who are mandating that their people go back into the office five days a week, expectations have changed. Employees now want choice. And so they're looking for employers and leaders who accept that they can work from anywhere. And so that really is is what has changed because great employees always have options. And I think the key thing that has changed is people have realized that work is what we do, not where we go. Work is what we do, not where we go. Uh, Can I add, and you can tell me if you agree, work is also what we do. It's not necessarily who we are. Oh, absolutely. Although for some men, I think their work (laughs) is their identity, but the smart ones will move a little bit beyond that. I, you know, on this note, Tina, um, my I won't, my son works for a very large law firm and amazingly, even though they have massive real estate um, presence and buildings and all of that, it worked when they all were home, right? Um, In fact, some of the executives said they hadn't had a family meal like the ones they had in a long time. Now that offices have opened back up and they are asking the employees to come in. Um, First, they said one day a week, then they went to two. And now it looks like they were asking for a third. And I heard some grumbling going on that if they insist on the third, I'm gonna find a different company kind of a thing. So um, 
I'm glad that you're speaking to that issue right now because your book, Effective Remote Teams, How to Lead Yourself and Your Team to Achieve Extraordinary Outcomes Without Burnout, seems to map out a solution to this new normal. Um, I, before you talk about the book, let's just expand on what you really think is the new normal. What do you see as the new normal? The new normal, I think there's an opportunity. The effective leaders are the ones who get that the new normal involves choice. And as one corporate executive said to me, if you don't offer flexibility for your people, somebody else will. And so the new normal is the leaders who embrace this and who give their employees this choice and flexibility and really have that focus, though, on the outcomes whether that be for your people, your customers, and your organization over the, out, over the hours that they work in the office. And so the leaders who get this and adapt who will be the ones who will win the war for talent. So what do you say to those who, I don't know if they, it worked during COVID, but they seem to have this need to micromanage. How do you speak to those people? Listen to your people. I work, as I mentioned, I work with large global leadership teams around the world. And this comes up time and time again, where people say, well, why do we have to be in the office, be it three days, four days? And we talk about the role of the office. And when you're clear on what the role of the office is, absolutely, it can make sense because nothing does beat face to face. It is so great to connect without a screen in front of you. But if you're just going into the office to sit in back-to-back -back meetings, if that is not your preference, then your engagement won't necessarily be there. So it really is up to the leaders to listen to their people, read the results of engagement surveys, because employees are speaking really loudly. And if you don't listen, they will speak by walking out the door. I like that point about clarity, about the, the use and the function of the office. I think that's definitely changed. Let's talk about your book. Um, let me read the title again. Effective Remote Teams, How to Lead Yourself, How to Lead Yourself and Your Team to Achieve Extraordinary Outcomes Without Burnout. That's a tall order. Now, it's <laughs> a tall order. Does your book map out this solution? Yes, it does. And the reason for this is I have been there. I have been that corporate leader who had back-to-back -back meetings from eight till five, and then my real work would start after that. I'd get a couple of hundred emails into my inbox every day. And for me, it was my own personal burnout eight years ago that led me to go, hang on, there has to be a different way to lead because I loved my career. And I love working in corporate. So for me, it was working about how can I still achieve extraordinary outcomes, but not sacrificing myself and the other things that are important in life. So for me, my book is all the practical solutions that I tested myself as then as well as then with my team. And then when I started my own business with my clients. So it is the practical tools from someone who's been there. So would you say um, that the book 
I mean, it's great when people work with you directly, but you're one human being and you probably have a great team, but let's say they don't know you yet. They grab your book. Um, will they find those, some of those tips that they can try working through and say, Hey, you know, this, this stuff works. Let's, let's, let's connect with that Tina lady. <laughs> Absolutely. The key feedback that I get from people who review my book is they say, it's so easy to read and it's practical. And that is what I'm about. I'm about making an impact, the impact for me on the leaders who I serve. And so it has to be things that it's not just theory. There's a lot of theory in there, but it's backed up by the fact that, that it works in practice. So it can work for anyone. Fantastic. So let's talk about that work-life balance, that aha you had eight years ago that mm. has led to you being really positioned and, and COVID must have really just brought it to everybody else's attention. But you kind of had that in eight years ago when you had your own aha moment. Let's talk about that whole work-life balance. Yes. Well, work-life balance is the term that really people hung on to. I think a better term than work-life balance is work-life integration. And the reason for this is if you focus on that mantra that I have of outcomes over hours in the office, it doesn't mean that you work Monday to Friday, nine to five or eight to six or whatever hours that you do. But it might be that by focusing on the hours, you look at when am I most energetic? So I have been known many times to go for a run at 11 a.m. and then have a client call still in my running gear. And so for me, that work-life integration is about working with your own energy levels uh, so that you can look after yourself. Because as you mentioned, during the pandemic, when people were working from home, their physical environment was the same, whether they were working or it was their time off. And those boundaries got really blurred. So one of the key things when we talk about work-life balance or work-life integration is to be really clear what your boundaries are because without boundaries, it can lead very quickly to burnout. Mm. So for me, I know that I'm most alert, most mentally functional before 2 p.m. So I usually structure most of my important work before that. Um, so, okay. So uh, when did work-life balance integration even become a corporate concern? I, they never used to care about that. Yes, well, about that? <laughs> well, I think back when I started my corporate career in 1999, back then we didn't have smartphones. So when you, we didn't really have to talk about work-life balance. When you left the office, you left the office and you stopped work, you'd go home, be with your family, do whatever was important to you. But with the introduction of amazing technology, we're always on, we're always contactable. And that's when the work-life balance issue really came, that people had this wonderful technology, but without clear boundaries, that's when you really can work 24-7 if you want to. So those boundaries so you don't lead to burnout is really, are really important. So do you think that corporations are caring about that now? And if they aren't, should they? I think the pandemic was a really big wake-up call. 
because they saw the extreme. And it's interesting. I've heard many executives say, I think my people were too productive during the uh, pandemic, which sounds strange coming from an executive. But they said, we saw the price of long hours. We saw the price of our people's well-being. And when it comes through in the employee surveys and the people say, my well-being's not good, their engagement levels often drop. And that's when often people go, hang on a second, this isn't working. And as I said, great employees always have options. So the executives want to make sure that their workforce is highly engaged and they want to stay. And they have, are now starting to realise that by starting on the person first, leads to more engaged employees, which leads to more productive employees and happier employees who stay. So you're saying that when they were home from COVID, they were more productive. A lot is of people that, were. Is that saying that because they're, they were happier, they got more work done? Or is it that when they're in the office, they were not as happy? I'm, I'm trying to understand that. Sure. So no, what, what the data shows us is that when people were working from home during the pandemic, they worked longer hours. Oh. So it wasn't to do with happiness. Oh. It was just when they were home, they weren't going out to restaurants or going out oh. to um, go for a swim or whatever it might be. And so they just kept working because their physical environment was the same for work as well as for their home life. And because they worked longer hours, they were therefore more productive. So that piece wasn't necessarily to do with happiness. It was just they didn't have the boundaries in place and just kept working. But that would almost make a case for going back to the office, though. <laughs> well, I think what a lot of people have realised is that people on the whole, the majority of people do want to work from home or outside the office a few days a week. However, they want to get better at having those boundaries so that they can be more productive, but also happier. And that choice is really important for their happiness at work. Because we know that the key reason that people uh, whose preference is to work from home or outside the office is because they get to avoid a commute. And we know for some people it can be an hour or an hour and a half one way. So to get an extra two to three hours back in your day when you choose to work from home, that's a big deal. Yes. I think some too may have even given up uh, cost of daycare or reduce those costs. So, so you're saying that just having the freedom and the flexibility, some days in the office, some days at home, might mean the huge difference at the corporate level. Absolutely, and you mentioned the cost of childcare. Uh, a lot of my clients in Europe talk about the travel costs also of catching the tube or the train, that it can get really expensive. So if you can have that money in your hip pocket instead, for some employees, that absolutely makes the world of difference. Yes. For some people, it was an instant pay raise without getting a pay yes, raise. Absolutely. And here in the U.S., I know that there were some organizations that when they saw that it was working, remote work was working, they actually got rid of some real estate, which meant their bottom yes. line also went up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. 
Interesting. So there's some entrepreneurs, especially watch my channel, entrepreneurs, and a lot of companies, even today, even some big ones are hiring gig workers or freelancers, yes. sometimes even versus employees. So they may still have a large complement of people that serve them, but not necessarily employees. Does your book also speak to in, uh, effectively managing these teams, whether they are employees or not? Or are your uh, suggestions employee-specific? My, my book speaks to leaders who lead teams who are knowledge workers, which means that they don't have to be tied to working in a particular shop or a manufacturing plant, for example, and they're not tied to the office. And that is irrespective of their employment type. Ah, okay, 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 fantastic. That makes sense. So, Tina, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Yes, I think, Trudy, the final thing that I would like to share is that this new normal is a really big opportunity for leaders and the leaders who embrace that it involves a more empowering mindset of not micromanaging your people and of acquiring new skills to lead in a hybrid work environment, the leaders who recognise this and, are ad and adapt will be the ones who will succeed. I'm going to agree with you because I am doing my doctorate in strategic leadership, but I've been looking at some research and a lot of the research is saying that there are HR crises right now because the, the, the way that HR teams have been trained, it's you're in the office, you're clocking in, you're clocking out. They, they're, this remote work is new, really is new. Yes. And I think there may need to be new textbooks written or more new courses. I think HR in general has got to rethink this new normal. And I think it starts with them. Do you agree? Or does it start higher up? Higher up the C-suite or? Yeah, it starts with the leaders. Uh, just a quick story. I remember when I started work uh, and I was working with another large global organization and I shared my strategies with this uh team and of employees who were lower down if you look at an organizational chart and one of the men said to me I love your strategies but it's not going to work for me and I said oh can you tell me more and he said it's not going to work because my leader hasn't been through your training yet and it if they're in that outdated old-fashioned way of thinking of I have to see you to be able to know you're working it's really hard for me to push up against that system. And in that moment, I made the decision that to make the impact in corporate culture that I want, it's the leadership level. It starts at the top. It's not HR. Obviously, they play a critical role, but it's every single business leader adapting to this outcomes over hours mindset that is really going to be the thing to make um, the effective shift. It really does come from the top down. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I'm glad that came up because I really am glad that it won't, people won't leave this, this show thinking it's the HR people that need to be making the shift. It really does need to come from the C-suite down. I agree. I absolutely, absolutely. And in my book, I interviewed a lot of C-suite members and I asked them one question. And the question was, 
as we transition and are in our new normal, what are the two to three key skills leaders need to be able to lead in our new normal? And so they're all thinking about this, but there are absolutely nuances that are different in how you lead when you're not seeing your people face-to-face -face all the time than when you're in the office. So all yeah. of that is covered in my book too. Yes, um, leading when you're not around is, I think it is a new animal because there's something to be said for influence when presence is there versus trying to give the same influence over a Zoom meeting or through an email. So I think you're right about this new normal. So, wow, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is just a teaser. I think you need to follow <laughs> up. I think you need to follow up and get the book, Effective Remote Teams, How to Lead Yourself. I like that. I should have stopped there for a second. You know what, Tina, speak to that. How to lead yourself. We never talked about that. Yeah. So if I go back eight years ago, as I mentioned, I, I burnt out in corporate. I had a job I loved, but I ended up in the emergency department of my local hospital. I had been trying to work through with pneumonia. And I realized as I lay there, firstly, when my husband James came to my bedside, the first thing he said to me was, Tina, no job is ever worth you lying here in the emergency department. And I knew he was right, but I just didn't at the time know how to deal with it. But the key thing that I was thinking as I was lying there was I put everyone and everything else first. And as I'm lying here, I'm not a great wife. I'm not a great mom. I'm not a great leader for my team. I'm not role modeling what I want for my team in their life. I'm not even a great employee. And so I realized that old uh, saying that I'm sure you've heard of, you've got to fit your own oxygen mask first. It was in that moment that I realized that when you don't do it, you're of no help to anyone. And so leading yourself first so you can role model, but also have the energy to be able to lead both in your work life as well as be there for the people and things that you love outside of work. Mm, fantastic. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> Effective remote teams. That's where we're going. I don't think we're going back. Effective remote teams, how to lead yourself and your team to achieve extraordinary outcomes without burnout by Tina Patterson. Tina, thank you so much for being my guest today. And you can follow up with Tina some more at Tina-Patterson, and that's P-A-T-E-R-S-O-N. And I will put the link in the comments for you, but Tina-Patterson.com. Thank you so much, Tina. It's a pleasure, Trudy.